everyone, Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from the outskirts of Washington, D.C., we've got Mr. Brian Briscoe. How are you doing today, Brian? Doing great. How are you doing, Dave? Well, I'm doing great. And today, as we are recording this, this is actually the day after Joe Biden's inauguration. Yep. You're in D.C., you're in the military. It's been an exciting time for the last little while, that's for sure. It's been a little bit turbulent around here, needless to say. I mean, they actually built a wall around the Pentagon because of, of worries of, of what might happen. So fortunately, I've actually been able to stay away from the Pentagon all week, but you know, that, that's my, my normal place of duty. So I'm not going to be able to avoid it for too long. All right. So Brian is not only a you know full-time Marine. In fact, I believe you're a lieutenant colonel. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. All right. And you've been in, in the Marines for 20 years. You're actually set to retire this year, 2021. Yep. You work full time in the Pentagon. That's, I imagine you've got a very exciting military career behind you. But what we're going to focus on here today mm -hmm. is the fact that Brian is also a very accomplished apartment building investor. He's built up a significant portfolio over 400 doors in his portfolio while at the same time working full-time <laughs> and then yeah. some i'm sure in the military yeah. so brian that's really what I'd, I'd like to focus our conversation around is number one let's start in the middle why mm -hmm. is it that you decided to focus on multi-family properties instead of you know what a lot of people other people do which is single family homes or the burr strategy or fix and flips or mobile home parks or whatever, the, the plethora yeah. of different options out there. Why did you pick multifamily? So I started with single family and quite frankly, there was proof of concept there. It just wasn't scaling fast enough. You know, I had a handful of single family properties and I made a couple of six figure paydays off of them. And when I started looking at, you know, reality of, okay, let's, what is it going to take for me to get away from my job? You know, and that's, I've always looked at the Marine Corps as, a temporary thing. You know, it wasn't it wasn't going to be a a career till I'm 70 by any stretch of the imagination. So looking at real estate to to be able to be my exit plan for the Marine Corps and single family was working well, just not fast enough. So I think the the logical step was was multifamily. You know, how how do you scale residential real estate? Well, you move into commercial multifamily. And that's really what it was. And I think it was when I finally realized that I was within two or three years of retirement that I thought, you know what, I'm going to have that pension and it's going to be really nice, but man, you know, I, I sure would like a change of scenery. I sure would like to, to not have to, you know, go where the military wants me to go every day. Well, that makes sense. And so how did you, how did you make that switch from single family homes? What did your first multifamily property look like and, and what mm -hmm. kind of deals are you doing now? Yeah, the first multifamily property it was a 55 unit in Spartanburg, South Carolina. So it was a long road getting there. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like I, I flipped a switch one day and went from single family to multifamily. But that's a pretty big jump from, from single families to 55 units. That's a big, big jump. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, and I, I started looking at you know things that were a little more reasonable that I, I I thought you know five units and six units or ten units or stuff like that. Yeah, did what a lot of people did and or a lot of people do. And I listened to a bunch of podcasts on it after touring properties and not really realizing whether I knew it was a good deal or not. I decided to put a little more money into educating myself, you know? So 
got into a online program, a coaching program, and that's what really helped me get to that 55 unit mark, you know, on, on the first deal. Obviously, I, I don't do it alone. I've got a couple of partners, three partners that help kind of spread load everything that we do. So yeah, that's, that's basically how, I mean, glossing over all the, the extra work, that's, that's kind of a, a short story of how I got there was, you know, it took a, took a little bit of money to educate myself and just a lot of action, a lot of daily activities getting to that point. So, so Brian, one of my points of curiosity, especially when somebody makes that big of a shift, mm-hmm. single family homes, I'm not sure exactly how you're doing it. You might've been self-financing or, mm-hmm. or working a few, with a few money partners, JV partners, what have you, but making that shift into a 55 unit, I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm, I'm assuming you probably used other people's money to help yes. get into that. So how did you raise the capital for that first really big deal? You know, it was, that was probably the hardest part of the whole deal is, is the raising capital, you know, and we had about a $1.8 million raise on it from the get go. When I realized that syndication was the way that I would go, I started doing everything I could to, to advertise what I was doing, you know, and, you know, not advertise opportunities for people who were aware of SEC regulations, but to advertise, you know, Hey, I am, I am now a syndicator. I'm still a Marine. I think a lot of people had a hang up on that one, but I am now in a multifamily investor too. So I spent a lot of time doing that. A lot of social media posts, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn and, and hopping into groups where people were interested in real estate to begin with. But really that was, I knew that was going to be the hardest part for me was raising capital. So I also marketed for partners who could help raise capital. And when we got that first deal together, there were three of us. It was me, Eric, and Brian. We sat down and we basically said, hey, we need, we probably need one more person to help us raise capital. And Eric introduced us to Todd and the four of us are now Four Oaks Capital. So a couple things on there. I mean, just, just recap. I mean, I looked for people who could help, number one. And number two, I did everything I could to, to get the word out to the people who I've I've known for years and years and years. And we ended up, we ended up getting there. It was, it was stressful. It was hard. It was, you know, a lot of phone calls, a lot of emails, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of trying to, to keep on getting the word out over and over again. Yeah. I would imagine it's, it, it would be a little bit challenging trying to, you know, raise almost $2 million for that deal. So how long did it take you to raise the money between the four of you? And, and do you remember more or less how many investors did you have on board as part of that syndication? Yeah, the first, uh, that one we had uh, mid thirties number of investors and we were very fortunate that the, the owner of the property prior to us, when we, when we were doing the contract negotiation made a mistake and he measured everything in business days, you know, contracts are, (laughs) wow. You know, Contracts are normally measured in calendar days and he measured everything in business days. So we we had four months to raise everything, which I mean ended up being you know a blessing for us because it sure. took that long to get that that amount of money. We're a lot we're a lot better at it now two years later, but yeah, it it was a four month ordeal of you know, calling people, taking people to lunch, you know, and and yeah, just every single day. Food. The yeah. food for sure, yeah. 
Exactly. So, so Brian, a lot of our listeners are American. A lot of our listeners are Canadian. We've got some mm-hmm. international listeners. So it's kind of different rules, different places. But were you focusing in your syndication? Were you focusing a lot on trying to bring accredited investors on board? Is that your main focus? Or were you able, because of your structure, to offer this to pretty much anybody? We offer to anybody, you know, so we do have a minimum investment amount just to, you know, make it worth our while. But yeah, we, we're able to do, I mean, in the U.S., it's a 506B offering. So it's open to up to 35 non-accredited investors. Okay. And so far, we've been able to to let everybody in. The The last one we did, we I think we had like 30 or 31 non-accredited investors on, on the last opportunity. So we were getting close to that number, but so far it's been open to everybody. Yeah, very, very cool. And is it is it a big pain? Is it a big hassle? Is it a big expense to get things set up to be able to raise capital that way? You know, you can you can put as much money into it as you want, is the answer. You can make it as expensive as you want, or you can do it as as inexpensive as you want. You know, one of one of my mentors, you know, doesn't have a website, he doesn't have a CRM. And, you know, he's raised a lot more money than, than we have. He currently manages roughly 2000 units. And, you know, his method is a very personable, you know, go out to lunch with people. So depends on what your strengths and weaknesses are and, you know, what you're, who you're targeting and what your network currently looks like. Mm -hmm. You could do this for almost nothing, but, you know, there's still a lot of effort involved, a lot of networking, a lot of going you know, from place to place and meeting new people who are interested in it. Yeah, for sure. And actually, I was kind of referring to the the legal structure of the whole thing to make sure that right. the client not going to jail. <laughs> oh, yeah. Legal structure, it is somewhat expensive. I mean, our attorney is all-inclusive for everything. And the go- going rate's usually roughly $15,000 for it. So, but, you know, when you're looking at, you know, $4 million purchase price, that's that's, that's really a drop in the bucket. Yeah, most definitely. Very, very cool. So reading between the lines here, Brian, it sounds like you've done a hell of a lot in a very short period of time. So you went from the the single family homes, you're about, if I recall, you said you're about three years away from retirement at that time. Mm -hmm. As we're speaking right now, you're like six months away from retirement. So we're looking at a two and a half year time frame. It was a couple of years ago, you got in that first 55 Mm -hmm. unit. I think if I recall from your bio, you're at like over 450 units right now. Mm in your portfolio. So taking the experience you had from that first deal and going to your next deals, what are you guys doing differently that's it's created more smooth sailing for you when it comes to finding deals and, and finding capital for your deals? You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, it's a lot of people will talk about the law of the first deal, but just having that first deal under your belt is a game changer. I mean, Prior to that first deal, we were trying to convince brokers to take us seriously. And once we had that first deal, you know, we had proven that we could raise $2 million. Mm -hmm. We had proven that we could close on a 55 unit asset. So from there, I think we did the best we could to capitalize on that reputation, you know, to be able to say, hey, look, you know, we are players in this game. We are players in this market. And as a matter of fact, the second deal that we had, uh, it was it was actually smaller than the first one, but that came from me emailing a broker who I had met who honestly didn't return any of my phone calls after that first meeting, 
but I emailed him and said, Hey, look, you know, I, I understand why you didn't return phone calls because, you know, we were unproven, but you know, how do you like these apples? You know, and I, I sent him, that's basically how the conversation went. And he started answering our, our phone calls and he started, you know, sending us properties. So really that first deal is the game changer, you know, and from then you just got to keep the momentum going and that's, you know, strike while the iron's hot. So on the heels of that first deal, before we closed, we had two more under contract, you know, one, one ended up being a marathon closing, one ended up closing in about 45 days. But I would say, you know, go back and short as I can answer the question, you, know, you just got to strike while the iron's hot, keep the momentum going. Well, and hats off to you for not getting your nose out of joint with that jerk of a broker who kind of gave you the cold shoulder there in the first place and be willing to, you know, keep going because that led into a lot more opportunities where a lot of people, myself perhaps included, would have said, okay, well, if you treated treated me like that before, screw you, I'll take my business elsewhere. Yeah, you know, and I've, I've realized what make brokers tick. They get paid on commission. And one broker, incidentally, this broker's sold us two properties. When I first called him, he literally told me, it's like, I don't spend time with wannabe investors. I spend time with owners because owners are going to give me properties to sell and owners are the people that buy. And he, he literally said something like, I get 20, 20 calls a week from people like you. If I spent 10 or 15 minutes every time, I wouldn't get my work done. So he explained that to me. And I think that was the first time where that real light bulb moment happened. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, and Quite frankly, you know, some people would say that's rude, but I was so much more grateful that he actually explained it to me than the other broker. And oh, by the way, these two broker conversations happened the same week. You know, the, the first one that talked to me and then never returned my calls. You know, I was so much more grateful for him explaining it to me. But you know, once he once he put it in that light, it was just like, okay, I get it now. I get it. You know, once I'm an owner. Now I've got more credibility. I've got the cards in my hands now because, you know, we can now purchase and now you can represent us in a sale. And so we are, we are actual clients. You've got of, a concept now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You've got money where your mouth is. Yeah. Cause there's so many wannabes, you know, I mean, there's so many people <laughs> that want to do stuff and actually never end up doing it. Just waste people's time. Yep. So Brian, time flies when we're having fun. That's for sure. But, one thing I want to touch on as well is how do you manage your time between working full-time and doing this and, you know, perhaps you, have, you even have a family and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. How are you juggling? How are you keeping all the balls up in the air? You know, I, I like the juggling analogy. I've realized what balls bounce and what balls break, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you keep the balls in the air that break. And the ones that bounce, you can let them bounce, you know? So I will say my performance at work has suffered. And had I chosen to stay in the Marine Corps, I wouldn't get promoted again. I know that, you know, my, my evaluations have gone from being a, I've been a top performer most of my career to not so much. So there, there's been a lot of trade-offs is all it is. And a lot of creativity in buying time back, you know? So I would say, out of all the days of vacation that I've taken in the last two and a half years, you know, 85% of them have been to, to work multifamily, to tour properties. Before COVID, I was taking the Metro to work every day, you know, and that was, you know, an hour, hour in the morning, hour in the evenings where I would sit with my iPad 
and you know do something in the business, write emails or look over spreadsheets or you know look at offering memorandums or something. So it's just been a matter of very, being very deliberate at planning my time and realizing that I can let balls bounce. Smart. That's the first time I've heard it put that way, but it makes a lot of sense that the fragile balls, the, the breakable balls, and keeping yep. the keeping the fragile ones up in the air for sure. Very, very good. So, Brian, if, if people want to find out more about you and yourself and your your company, what would you have them do? So we also have a podcast. That's probably the best way to, to do it. A diary of an apartment investor and the website's diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com or our website, which has a lot of free resources, fouroakscapital.com. And you can schedule a call with us through the website. My email address, Briscoe at fouroakscapital.com. Excellent. All right, Brian, keep on doing what you're doing and congratulations on your upcoming retirement, which it doesn't sound like you're going to be kicking it back and hitting the golf course too much. It sounds like you got too much going on, too much fun with a party buildings right now. I'm, I'm going to have fun and I'm going to keep busy. Awesome. Very good. Thank you, sir. And everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.